If you've ever driven to a circus, you'll see the elephants standing out on the parking lot, right? The elephants will be out on the parking lot, these huge, powerful beasts. But they don't go anywhere. They don't run, they don't move. You know why? Because they got a chain around one of their legs. A little teeny chain with a little teeny peg in the ground that these beasts could rip out any old time they feel like it. Because they got the power. They got the power. All they got to do is jerk that leg and that little peg would come out of that and rip that concrete and tear that chain. But they don't budge. You know why? Because they were taught ever since they were a little baby elephant that when you feel this chain, you have no power. From the time they were born, when you feel this chain on your leg, that means you are nothing, you are nobody, and you don't move. Because you're not here to demonstrate your power, you're here to perform. And we got a lot of Christians who aren't here to demonstrate their power, they're here to perform. And so you come to church on Sunday and you perform, but you don't have any power. You come, you drag in church with this chain on your leg. This chain on your leg, talking about, I'm coming to worship God, and I'm coming, and he's able with this chain on your leg, and he's so high you can't get over with this chain on your leg, and, and he's so wide you can't get around, and you got this chain on your leg performing for the circus. And the hell is laughing at you, eating its cotton candy with that chain on your leg. It's time for you to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get off of me. Let me go. Get that chain off of me. I'm free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're free. Walk like it. Act like it. Are you free? Are you free? Are you free? Did Jesus make you free? Then walk like it. Talk like it. Act like it. Hold your head up high and be free. He set you free. He set you free. Well, good morning, Heart Church. Uh, so excited to uh, come to you live. This is Facebook Live. This is not pre-recorded. And uh, if you're joining us for the very, very first time, welcome. We're just really glad you came and uh, kind of just checking us out online. Maybe you're viewing this on Monday or Tuesday, or maybe you're live right now. But um, my name is Shane, and I'm the pastor here at Heart Church, along with my wife, Heather, right here in Escondido. And just about like every other church, we've sort of been, uh, you know, navigating the waters of COVID and trying to figure out how to safely have church. And so just two weeks ago, we started our outdoor service. And so that starts at 9 a.m. We actually just came from that, our second outdoor service. Uh, we have some tents and just some basic acoustic worship. And, you know, we're kind of following all the COVID guidelines, wearing masks and um, washing our hands and doing all those things. But we are providing an outdoor service. So I want to invite you, if uh, you're in the Escondido area and you feel comfortable coming to a safe outdoor experience, 9 a.m. here at 215 South Hickory Street in Escondido. We'd love to see you next Sunday. Uh, for the rest of you, the reason why I'm doing this is every week I'm going to walk over across the parking lot right here to our sanctuary studio and preach the message to you. Because if you are uh, maybe not here in Escondido or you just don't feel comfortable yet coming out, we want to make sure that you're getting the message. And so we are in a series in the book of John, sort of a, a, a macro series on the book of John. And we landed in John chapter 5 a couple weeks ago. And if you've been following us, you know the story. Jesus finds himself at uh, the pool of Siloam um, with uh, a bunch of uh, other lame and uh, blind people. He meets one particular man, and this man is stuck. 
I mean stuck. Been there for 38 years and has all kinds of complaints and excuses of why he can't move forward in life. And so Jesus comes not just to heal his physical life, his physical body, but heal him emotionally. And he comes to do the same thing for us. And so we started a mini series on this topic of you're too powerful to live powerless. Turn to somebody and say, you're too powerful to live another day, another second, powerless. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that you come in the way that only you can to deliver us from the places that we feel stuck. And God, I ask that you would help us even just take one more step forward in the victory you have for us. Open up our eyes to see places, God, where uh, we've been settling for less than your best. In Jesus' name, amen. Men. And so we've sort of used this illustration talking about the idea that the enemy comes to steal. He steals first before he can destroy us. He steals what is rightfully ours, paid for on the cross, and he comes subtly to steal it. And so we use the illustration of the elephant. And just like the video, the elephant starts as a little baby, has the chain on its leg, stake in the ground, and the elephant's not powerful enough to move that stake. As the elephant grows and becomes a full-grown elephant in the circus, Same chain, same stake, but he's chained now in his mind. He doesn't believe that he's powerful enough to move forward. And so the tiny little chain that has no power has convinced the the, the large elephant that I'm powerless. And and this is where this series comes from. You're too powerful to live powerless. And so we saw the chain, three different areas that the enemy chains us. There are others, but these are the three we're focusing on. The first one is the chain of shame connected to our identity. And that's where the enemy comes to steal and rob and kill our identity, who we are in Christ, our confidence, our purpose. And he does that through shame. Uh, We talked about that last week. The next one is the chain of fear dealing with our circumstances. The enemy comes and brings fear in our circumstances. And the last one is the chain of offense in our relationships. That, that chain that keeps us bound in our relationships when we are offended. And so today, week two, we're talking about fear. Fear is a big one. Uh, I'll tell you what, in our day, in our world, people are navigating the, 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 the murky waters of anxiety, worry, and fear like never before. And the enemy's having a heyday. Fear is the calling card of the enemy. Wherever fear is, the enemy is sure to follow And so we want to talk a little bit about how to overcome this. Rick Warren says, fear is your greatest enemy in life. So my question to you is, what's causing you anxiety? What's causing you worry? What's causing you panic? What's keeping you up at night? What's the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? When you have that like sort of underwater feeling where you're just like (gasps) trying to get your breath. What topic comes up and you're automatically feeling anxiety? Those are the places that I believe God wants to touch on today. And um, before we do, I want to I dive into, just read a bunch of scripture. And um, you can read along or you can go back and view these later. You can just close your eyes and let me read them to you. But they're just, just powerful scriptures relating to fear. Uh, the Bible refers to fear 80 different times or over 80 different times in the Bible. Uh, incredible topic that God has a lot to say about. I'm just going to read a few. Psalm chapter 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. 
Luke chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus is talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind or self-control. Psalm chapter 1, verse 12, um, Psalm chapter um, 112, verse 6, The righteous will never be moved. I love this. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady, and he will not be afraid. And last one is Joshua 1, 9. It's one of my personal favorites. It says, have, has I, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. And as I was thinking about fear and kind of the, the effects that it has on our life, the reality is fear makes things seem bigger than they are. They fear uh, is the lens that we see our issues or problems or dynamic through. And so when fear is that lens, oftentimes things look more epic. They, th- they, they seem more immovable and we can very easily get overwhelmed. And so um, I don't know what it is with camping, but oftentimes when I go camping, I come back with an epic story. And so I, can't, I was camping last week and I'm at this campsite uh, that uh, I've gone to before. In fact, last summer we went and we learned something last summer. See, the campsite that we stayed at, it's at the, uh, at the foot of this big grass area. And last year we thought, wow, the grass is a perfect spot to put our tent and put all of our clothes and our food and everything because it's grass and not dirt, so there won't be dust. We set it all up. Well, in the middle of the night, sprinklers come on, but they're not like the wimpy sprinklers. They're like full on, you know, the ones that come out of the ground and they shoot this big old stream and they like that, all kind of old school sprinklers. Well, that's what this entire field is filled with. About three in the morning, like clockwork, these sprinklers come on. And last year, our stuff got drenched. In the middle of the night, I wake up and our stuff is drenched. So this year, I knew better. We stayed in the same camp spot. In fact, when we got there, this was a couple days ago, uh, our, our next door neighbors in the camp spot, the first thing they said was, hey guys, just so you know, the sprinklers come on in the, in the grass field in the middle of the night. And I'm like, gotcha, learned that last year. So we set all our stuff up off the grass, except for our easy up tent. We set that up in the grass because I'm like, hey, who cares if the easy up gets, gets, uh, gets wet? Nothing under it, just the easy up because that's where we want our shade to be in the morning. Go to bed, wake up three in the morning, to this crazy noise. And what I thought it was, was the sprinkler. Again, there's these big jet sprinklers. I thought it was a sprinkler hitting my tent and making a really loud noise. It was like, I mean, just really going after it. And then it would go, and it would come back. But I mean, it woke me up like alarming noise. So I'm laying there for probably three or four minutes. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, not this again. There's no way I can move this tent. It's too heavy. Plus I'll get soaked. And it is making so much noise, it's going to wake up the neighbors. So I'm just laying there and I'm like, oh, these sprinklers are going to go on for 20 minutes. Jeez Louise. So I get out of my tent. Sure enough, neighbors right next to us came out of their tent, out of their trailer, and they're staring at the easy up. 
across the, the, the grass field. Neighbors back there, out of their tent, three in the morning, staring at the tent. And I'm just so embarrassed. I don't even make eye contact with them. I don't look at the tent. I don't look at the neighbors. I'm just sitting here shaking my head going, here we are again, as if I didn't learn my lesson the first time. So I'm frustrated. I decide to go to the bathroom. So I walk across the little street there and go to the bathroom and just hope that when I get back, sprinklers are done, right? Well, it's so loud. It's like echoing in the bathroom. I'm sitting there going to the bathroom and it's just echoing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. So I come out of the bathroom. Across the street, there's people out of their trailer looking at the tent, wondering what all the noise is. So I'm pretty much woken up everybody, right? So I come back out of the, I'm standing outside my tent now looking at, at the easy up. And there's this little like eight-year-old boy that walks up next to me, the neighbors, walks up next to me. And he goes, sir, can you move the tub? And I thought he said tent. And so I didn't even answer him. I'm just like, no, I can't move the tent. I already thought of that. It's too heavy. This is what I'm thinking in my mind. So I just kind of stood there. So then he goes, he kind of had like a little accent. He goes, please, sir, can you move the tub? And I, I look at him and I'm like, the tub, what are you talking about? And I look closer. Sure enough, the sprinkler was hitting this, this uh, Tupperware tub that we had put all our food in that I had set on the picnic table under the easy up. And the sprinkler was literally blasting the tub before it'd move on. It would come back, blast the tub. And that was what was making all the noise. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole time I could have moved the tub. So I walk in there, I grab the tub and I'm like, son, I am so sorry. I I didn't realize that's what it was hitting. Felt like an idiot. And then basically, finally, once I moved the tub, everyone's like, thank you. And they go back into their uh, tents, problem solved. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what a great illustration of the way that fear plays with our imagination. I was laying in my tent imagining the, 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 the sprinklers hitting the tent. I come out. I didn't even bother taking a look because in my mind, the sprinklers hitting the tent. I go to the bathroom, come back. I'm, I got this whole thing built up in my mind all the while. It's a silly little tub that could have been easily moved and solved the problem. And I think, if we're honest... The enemy, he has leveraged fear in our life to make things seem bigger, to make things seem harder than they really are. And we're not even able to really identify it because in our mind, it's just clouded by worry, anxiety, and fear. This is the way that fear works. It hijacks our imagination. In fact, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's a, um, it's a popular scripture, and it says that the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds and high things. And, and one word says imaginations, pulling down imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Pulling down these ungodly, fear-based imaginations that have created a world that's not even real and caused us to be stuck and paralyzed. This is the chain that the enemy uses to wiggle to keep us from getting traction and victory. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit and talk about the problem. Let's talk about the problem. So, It's not enough to just not be afraid. 
And, and I think that this is often where we get stuck because we get it. Like fear is not healthy. Fear is not of God. And so we sort of tell ourselves, I got to not be afraid. I got to be more courageous. And so it's almost like we're working ourselves up to just not be afraid. And like no one wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what? I'm going to be a coward today. You know what? Today, I'm going to be totally crippled and paralyzed by worry, anxiety, and fear to the point where like, I don't even want to leave my house because I'm just stuck. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be that person. And so, and so, we, so we fight it. And so, I mean, even if it's some of it, sometimes it's just kind of like phobias. Like I was scared of spiders because I had to make, made the huge mistake of watching arachnophobia when I was little. And, uh, and I was definitely afraid of spiders, just like a basic phobia. And, and I was like, I willed myself so, much, so many times to not be afraid. And yet fear just came back every time. See, if you don't replace fear with something, then it will just come back. See, you can uproot fear because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So, so we can adopt the love of God and we can have moments with him and maybe he can you know, soothe our fear for a time. But if we don't replace that void, then it comes back every time and often it comes back stronger. And so I want to pivot here and I want to talk to you about what we do with the fear. How do we uproot it and replace it with something so we can actually walk in victory? And so I want to read a scripture out of 1 John chapter 5. It's chapter 5, verse 4 through 5. And it says this, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. I want to read that again. Everyone born of God, every Christian, every born-again Christian is victorious and overcomes. Just by very nature, you being a son or daughter of the king, you are victorious. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Now it's about to describe what it is that's that victory, that's overcome and conquered the world. Here it is. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus. So I'm going to read the whole thing. For everyone born of God is victorious. And overcomes the world, the God of this world, the God of fear. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. This is what it is. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus. So the answer to the chain of fear is not trying to be more courageous. Not just willing yourself to like not be afraid. The answer or the antidote to fear is faith. The antidote to fear is faith. And faith is simply the decision of what you're going to put your trust in. The decision, it's not an emotion. It's a decision to say, I'm going to put my trust in something. Now we can choose to put our trust in physical things that we can touch and feel, and oftentimes our, our, our eyes lie to us, but we put our faith in this world. We put our faith in what we can see and feel and hear and, and, and what is before us. And oftentimes those bring fear. Or the Bible says the just shall live by faith and not sight. In other words, we, we, will, we, will, we will live by our faith eyes, 
trusting in the things that are hoped for and not yet seen, or we're going to live by what we can see and touch. And so when we talk about fear, when you, re, when you uproot that fear, what you have to replace it with is a trust, abiding faith. But here's the thing about faith. Faith is either really small or it can grow. We're either growing in our anxiety or worry, or we're growing in our faith. See, when we're born, God gives us a, a measure of faith, but that faith, if it's not exercised, if it's not activated, then it's small. And so, so we have to learn how to grow our faith. Otherwise, fear will have a heyday in our life. And if we're honest, and I just want you to take a second and like, like let's be honest. I've had to be honest with myself this week. What are those areas that, that fear is playing in the background in your life? Fear of, not, fear of being alone. Fear of not being enough. Fear of somebody actually really finding out who you really are. Fear, fear, fear of failure. Fear of not having enough money when you get older. Fear of growing old. Fear of connection. Fear of intimacy. We are riddled these days with deep-seated fear. And God wants us to activate our faith so that we don't allow the enemy to steal our victory. So Ephesians chapter 6 describes faith as a shield. Paul says that it's the shield of faith. Now the reason for this is because the enemy fires fiery darts, and, which are lies, to plant fear in your life. This is what he does. Now, listen, the greatest lie the enemy ever told was to convince you he doesn't exist. So if you're going about your day and you're just thinking like all of these fears and anxieties and worries and bad thoughts that you have are just you because you're just so dysfunctional, then the enemy's winning because he's working overtime under the surface to try to ensnare you, keep you bound, keep you stuck in fear. And so what Paul says is God's given us these weapons this armor, and one of them's a shield of faith. Now, this shield can be really small or really big, and this is how we activate our faith. We need big faith. We need big, a big belief system or trust. So if your faith, let's say the enemy comes to you and lies to you about your salvation. Let's say he's like, you know what? You're, you're not really saved. I mean, there is a hell and there is a heaven, but, but when you die you're not really going to heaven. Like you're going to hell. I mean, you've accepted Jesus and you believe in him. You believe he's the only way, but like his sacrifice wasn't enough for you. If this is the lie that you hear in your mind, that fiery dart, a lot of us who've been walking with Jesus and maybe you're in this boat would, would be like, that's, that's a silly thought. And if it is a fiery dart, it's not a very effective one because like I have a really strong belief or faith in my eternal salvation, right? And so we, we're walking around with this giant, like human-sized shield on, in that topic. So when the enemy, if the enemy comes at you, it just bounces right off. But there are other areas where you have a shield, maybe the size of my Bible, and you're like, pew, pew, and you're just like trying to, you're trying to like block every fiery dart, but you're just getting pummeled. In another area, what is that area? What is that area where your belief, belief in yourself, belief in God's love for you, 
belief in the way that others feel about you, belief in your success, belief in your capabilities? What is it that you have this really small belief system? So the enemy comes at you in a, in a lie that's, that's coated in fear. You'll never be enough. It's a lie that, that, that causes a deep-seated fear that holds you back. What is that area? That's a shield, and it's a really small belief system, right? And so here's the deal. We have to learn to activate our faith. Otherwise, we have no hope to, to, to keep the, the world's anxiety and fear at bay. So how does faith grow? How does a shield go from this size to body size? Well, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, God has created us to be beings that build our belief system based on what we hear. Now that's kind of crazy because we hear a lot. We hear stuff on the news. We hear stuff with music. We watch TV shows. We hear people talking to us all day long. We hear stuff from the radio, podcasts. You know what else we hear? Ourselves speaking. Now I'm not talking about voices in your head. I'm talking about the spoken word. This is why words are so powerful. Because our faith, our belief system in something is built on our hearing. And so, have you ever met anybody that is just like constantly negative towards themselves? I mean, like everything that comes out of their mouth is just like, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'll never be enough. Oh, gosh. And they make one mistake. Gosh, I do that all the time. Oh, I'm so, uh, uh, you know, I'm so stupid. This person is literally building their, their negative belief system about who they are. And so this is how God's created us to live by the word of God, speak it out, speak by faith, and allow our faith to be built and to grow. We have to learn how to activate our faith and say no to fear, like draw a line in the sand with our families. Heather and I have this conversation, my wife, all the time about our family, about our kids, about one another. Fear has no place in our life. Now, we don't always recognize it, And my prayer and hope today is that by the end of this message, you and I will be able to recognize fear when it pops its ugly head up more and more. And when we recognize it, we say, say, not today, Satan. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, a bloodline in the sand, and we're not going to live by fear. We're not going to allow fear to cloud our judgment and create a scenario that's much bigger than it really is. We're not going to allow the chain of fear to affect us another day. And so there's three areas that that I think are really powerful for us to learn how to activate our faith. The first one is praying in faith. Again, faith comes by hearing. I want to have a belief system that I can believe my God is, is capable to do anything. And part of it is learning to pray that way. Now, I was convicted because when we were camping, uh, I, every morning I got up and got my coffee and I went down to the water and just kind of read my Bible and walked and prayed. And I found myself praying more than I normally do out loud for my family. And I was praying for my son, Caleb. And not, not that I don't pray for them, but I was convicted that I don't pray enough because of how powerful it was. And when I was praying, 
I was cognizant of this and I was specifically praying in faith. Like I wasn't coming before God going, God, um, would you help my son? Because he's really struggling. And I just, will you keep him from the bad things? If, if, you're, if it's okay with you, because he really needs you. But I don't, he's just, he's struggling. It's just like so lame and wimpy. No, I, pr- I came to God and I said, God, I thank you for my son. I thank you that he's your child. He, you love him. Your hand is upon him. God, I thank you that he's learning how to be courageous. And God, I pray you protect him. God, I pray he'd walk in boldness. You see the difference in that spirit? It's praying in faith. And I'll tell you what, if we're honest, we can catch ourselves that spirit of fear can affect the way that we talk, the way that we receive things, the way that we think, the way we respond. And this is why we have to be activating our faith and it starts in prayer. When you pray, even when you come before God in the morning, talking to the Lord, right? Talking about the things going on in your life. Don't come with this wimpy, lame prayer. Come in faith. Why? Because when you speak, it builds your belief system about who God is. Is And there's nothing in this Bible that would suggest that you're weak or that God's weak. That you're lame and defeated or that God is defeated. Everything in this Bible suggests that, that, that everything for life and godliness was won at the cross. And you and I simply need to step into it. So we pray in faith and we speak in faith. Again, same thing. This isn't a name it and claim it thing. This is simply recognizing that our words have creative power about our beliefs. When we talk, when we hear ourselves speak, that it builds a belief system in us about what we believe. And so if you're always negative, if the the cup is always half full, then your belief system is going to follow. Your faith is going to be weak and it's going to give a place for fear in your life. And I would also say, Careful about the stuff you allow in, the music, the, 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 the amount of news that you watch or, you know, social media or all these things that just want to bring this negative ha- cup half full, victimized, you know, uh, uh, mindset into your life when the word of God wants you to walk in confidence and boldness. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't take precautions. It doesn't mean that, that, that there aren't, there aren't um, very real threats out there and that we need to you know, uh, operate accordingly. It has nothing to do with that. It's the spirit by which you operate. You, you operate with, a, with a, um, a mindset of faith that God is good, that he's, he's in control, He's looking after us or you're operating in a spirit of fear, anxiety, and worry. I want to end with Psalm 23 because I want to give you something practical that will help you on Monday. Because listen, if it's good on Sunday but not good on Monday, then it's no help to anybody. And so Psalm 23 is just where I want to land the plane really quick because it's something that you can do tomorrow morning when you wake up. Maybe, you know, put it on your podcast on the way to work or maybe read it in your car at your work break or in the morning. Psalm 23, because it's David's declaration of faith. And it starts out by saying this, The Lord is my shepherd and I have everything I need. Come on. This is David saying, The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I have everything I need. It doesn't mean I'm not walking through difficulty. It doesn't mean that there's not all kind of uncertainty in my life. It just means because God is good, 
Because he's my shepherd, I have everything I need. I don't have to go buy something. I don't have to go fix nothing. I don't have to get another, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't have to have more money in my account. I have everything I need because God is my shepherd. You see the faith in that? This is a place, a posture to live from every day. No matter what's going on in my world, the Lord is my shepherd and I have everything I need. He goes on to say, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. The Lord is guiding me. He's leading me. I ain't lost. I'm not wandering. God isn't taken by surprise by all of these dynamics. There may be uncertainty, but I'm not lost because God is leading me. Now, it doesn't mean that I always have the right answer. It doesn't mean I always know what the next step is. But every day when I wake up, I say, God, lead me by your spirit. And I take faith-filled steps. And I declare, God, I thank you that the steps of a righteous are ordered by you. And so you're leading me. I don't have to feel worried or anxious. or ah. Some people are so, they're so worried and anxious to take a step, to move in a direction, to make a decision. And it's like, man, David's saying, God's leading me. So take a step of faith. Believe that he's there. And if it's not the right step, God will tell you. God, I just, I submit myself to your spirit and I ask that you would reveal my next step and then step. Make a decision. Move forward and believe that God is leading you. See, this is faith and not fear. Fear says, don't, don't you dare take a step because what if it's the wrong one? Don't make a decision. What if it's the wrong decision? Oh my gosh. You see how paralyzing that is? It's not God. Faith says, God, you're leading me. You're leading me by peaceful streams. You're leading me to still waters because that's who you are. And I, because I'm your son. Mm. Even when I walk through the valley of death, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. I love this. The, the, the shepherd's staff. Many people don't know this, but this is what David was talking about because David was a shepherd. And so he had a staff just like Moses. Moses was a shepherd. And a shepherd back in the day, when they're out in the middle of nowhere, well, they didn't have a pen and paper. They didn't have a moleskin. They didn't have their journal where they can write cool stuff. They didn't have a phone they could break out and type notes to themselves. When God does something really cool, like deliver you from the lion or the bear or, or a, a Goliath. And so when God would do stuff with David, when he was out tending the sheep, David would take that, that, raw, that staff, and he would make markings, much like a tattoo, and, and remembrances of things, significant things that God would do in his life. And so David says, your staff, it comforts me, because I can look at it and I say, God, you, you've been good. I can look back to my past and say every step of the way that you, you have not forsaken me, you protected me, you provided for me. And so as I look forward, even though there are uncertainties, God, I know that you're good and I know you're protecting me because I can see it. I have it in my hand. And when Moses went to part the waters, he went out to that sea seemingly no hope with the army behind him and a sea in front of him. He put that staff down, the goodness of God, the remembrance of God of how good he has been. He put that staff down and the waters, they parted. See, this is faith that says, God, you're good. And I, I'm not gonna live another day defeated by fear. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest. A guest. 
anointing my head with oil. I love this. My cup overflows with blessing. Fear says your cup's half empty. Fear says you don't have enough. Faith says, no, my cup is overflowing. You ever meet anybody? And it's like, no matter what's going on in their life, they're just bubbling over. They have joy. They have a peace, an abiding peace. They're always encouraging. Man, we always love to have these people in our life. And it doesn't mean they don't have bad moments and times and have to work through things. But the, the, the narrative about their life is that they're overflowing with blessing. Why? Because they've just chosen to say, God, you're good. God, you're leading me in paths of righteousness. And so my cup is not half full. It's overflowing. And so I'm choosing by faith to live that way. And I'll tell you, it's a choice to walk by faith and not allow fear a place in your life. He goes on to say, you welcome me as a guest. A guest. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell on the house of the Lord forever. Everywhere I go, you're following me. You're not only guiding me in paths of righteousness, but your goodness and your mercy is following me. It's following me. And I want to speak that over you. It's following you. It's following you. Don't be, don't be paralyzed anymore by fear. Wake up tomorrow morning. Read Psalm 23 and say, God, I thank you that you're good. I'm your child. And I choose today to believe. Put on that, that shield of faith to believe that I walk in his goodness, that I don't have to be afraid because his goodness follows me, that he's before me guiding me, that I am his son or daughter, and so I have everything I need. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Father God, I want to speak this over every man, woman, child that's listening to this message. I want to speak faith and not fear over their life. I want to silence the voice of the enemy in those places where he has brought anxiety and fear and stolen the peace of God, Jesus, that you came to give each and every one of us. And God, I pray we would replace it with a belief about who you are because you are good. You hold us in the palm of your hand and every day you're with us and you're guiding us. And this can be our confession of faith today. Before I close, with every eye bowed and head closed, if you're here today and you're listening to my voice and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe this sounds awesome, but you're, you're not convinced that you're a son or daughter born again because you've never asked Jesus specifically to come into your heart to make you new. Today could be that day. And so I want you to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. It's a simple prayer that simply invites Jesus to come into your heart, to be your shepherd to make you new on the inside and you can be a child of God. Say, Lord Jesus, today I come to you recognizing I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you now to come into my heart. Make me new. And I will live for you from this day forward. Replace those anxieties today. Replace those fears with a faith in my God. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of the Sunday and we'll see you next week.